Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny welcomes physician and melanoma survivor, Dr. Kiara Barr. Today, the two of them will chat about how your skin can be a lens and diagnostic tool for what's happening beneath the surface so you can heal it and experience the joy, ease, and happiness you desire. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And welcome, welcome, everyone. This is Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we are here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com, and you can also find find Sunny in Seattle on iTunes and Podcast One, if you're kind of one of those people that likes to listen to podcasts more than anything like I am. Um, you can also find out more about me by visiting my website, which is goldenoversoul.com. And uh, Vinny, how is everything in Seattle holding down the fort there? Doing very, 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 very well. I say that with really? many of them. Yeah, because you know what? Was that my... like four varies? Yeah, you were, you <laughs> counted them all. Exactly. Because you know what? It was a great, it's a great day to show our epidermis today. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Are you showing your epidermis? I, I in the certainly studio? am. Vinny, you know I am. You know I am. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Any any new updates, or do we just need to wait until first Friday with Alessandra? Here I think in a we might weeks. need it first. <laughs> Okay, okay, we'll no. wait for first Friday. Everything's peachy keen up here. We've had sunshine all week long. We've dried up a little bit from the last few weeks of uh, heavy rains in the Seattle area. And um, I'm super excited for today's show. A lot of us have experienced this situation. Yes, I and I will share a little bit more about my story mm-hmm. about, I mean, I've known um, our guest today, uh, Dr. Kira Barr, for a little while now. And when I first learned about her work, which I'll tell you about, I'll just read her bio here in a minute, but it, this, what she does, um, true skincare, and we'll have her explain what mm-hmm. that really means, is particularly meaningful to me. Um, and I know she has a very personal story um, about why it is meaningful to her. So this is a special show today. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background information, Dr. Kira Barr is a chocolate and coffee-loving mama to two brazen teens who is also a highly sought-after health and wellness expert, global speaker, best-selling author, and a dual board-certified dermatologist, blending science and soul. I love that. By the way, blending science and soul, she helps women create nourishing and powerful connections to their inner beauty so they give themselves permission to experience the lives of their dreams. As a former assistant clinical professor at UC Davis, advisor to numerous startups, editorial reviewer of multiple leading medical journals, and a researcher in clinical trials, Dr. Barr passionately bridges the gap between the latest evidence-based research and mind-body medicine. Now that is my happy place. So Dr. Barr's expertise has been featured on national TV, radio, podcasts, as well as popular outlets like Mind Body Green, Reader's Digest, Glamour, Self, and Oprah Magazine. You might've heard of a couple of those. Um, so her website to find out more about her work is drkirabar.com, and I'll just spell that uh, domain or uh, website for you. Uh, so Dr. Dr. Kira is K-E-I-R-A, and Barr is B-A-R-R, so drkirabar.com. Kira, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, me too. And is it okay? I mean, I assume because we're friends, I just called you Kira, but if you'd like me to call you Dr. Barr, we can do that. Oh, no, that is so weird. No, please call me Kira. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
I always like to ask, but usually I remember to do it before we go on air. So sorry to put you on the spot. No, not at all. <laughs> so um, I'll just give a little bit of background because I, I feel like when you and I, I remember we were in a, uh, um, a publicity program together to learn how to really use, um, you know, media as an awareness tool. And I was immediately intrigued by your story and the kind of work you were doing, which I interpreted as more like holistic dermatology rather than traditional Western medicine only. And um when I was about eight years old, I got my first really bad pimple. And I mean, eight's kind of, I mean, I'll just ask you right now, isn't that kind of weird for an eight-year-old to start getting breakouts? It's a little young, yeah. Yeah, I remember I was at summer camp and it was really embarrassing. And I mean, you're eight, you don't have, I couldn't cover it up and it was really bad. And it started around my chin. And as I got older and then got into my tween and teen years, my acne was really, really bad. And I know we debated Accutane. And unfortunately, that was, I think that was the strongest option at the time. And my parents were a little nervous about all the liver tests that you would have to do to stay on it. So I went and did about just everything there. And I did not, my acne did not resolve until my um, late 30s. And it was because now looking back on it, I remember I went to dermatologist after dermatologist and they just kept giving me, other than thinking about using Accutane, which of course was an internal med, but pretty intense. But other than that, they just kept giving me topical cream after topical cream. And then I also, they had me carrying around a bottle of antibiotics that I could take anytime I wanted to if I had a breakout. So of course I'm in college, I'm in high school, and every time I get a breakout, I would take an antibiotic. And I didn't realize at the time I later had a functional medical doctor in when I moved to Seattle in 2012, and I got off all my stimulants. I'd been on Adderall for years and some other things. And anyway, she basically told me, Sunny, acne is not a topical issue. There is something going on in your body, and your skin is just the symptom of what it's trying to tell you. And I was like, what? Are you kidding? All this time, all these dermatologists had just been trying to put me on retinoids, which are great. I know they have a function, but... It just, I finally realized that all these years, this thing that my poor skin had been trying to tell me there was something going on inside. And so long story short, this particular functional medical practitioner in Seattle put me on liver cleanse after liver cleanse, like every quarter I would be on one. And my skin got so much worse before it got better. But after about a year of doing liver cleanses on the regular and doing this protocol that she had me on and really cleaning up my life, my diet, my, my nutrition, my behavior, my emotions, my thought patterns, all these things, my skin became perfect. And it has been that way since. And so when I heard your story about, you had your own story of your skin being a source of shame and then becoming the window into something, into your total healing. I was really drawn to that. So that's my story of my skin. And of course, we haven't even gone on into all the Botox and fillers I did in my 20s as I was beginning to see lines on my face. And I was in Texas and it was like, stop all aging at any cost. I don't care what it does to my body. <laughs> so anyway, that's another, we'll have that conversation too. But anyway, Kira, that's my skin story. And I would love to hear, I mean, you know, kind of your skin story too, or if there's anything you want to add to what I just said, of course. But let's hear your story, too, and kind of what led to us having this conversation today. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story, because I think um, 
I, I think the biggest thing to appreciate is that even though you are a unique individual, your story, unfortunately, is so common. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, in traditional dermatology, Western medicine, we are taught how to just treat the symptom. And we understand the, the basic science of what contributes to acne. But for so many years, <clears throat> this idea that that nutrition and lifestyle factors play a role has been swept under the rug. Even though back in the 1930s, there were two dermatologists, Stokes and Pillsbury, who actually brought to light the gut-skin connection, the gut-skin-brain connection. But you can't make money from that. You need the pharmaceuticals. So they were suppressed, I'm sure. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, 85% of the population is impacted by acne. So it's like one of the most common skin conditions. And the emotional impact that it takes is really underplayed. Um, and, and that's really a shame because it is so much of, um, as we move through this world, like Benny was talking about, you know, your epidermis is showing it is so (laughs) true, right? It's like our largest organ and, um, you know, how you feel in your skin totally determines how you show up in it in terms of your self-confidence, your self-image, your self-worth, um, And especially in our formative years as a teen, I can only imagine um, I didn't have acne, um, the occasional pimple, but I had other issues. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so it can really be um, detrimental. And to your point about functional medicine, I mean, it was also, I I moved to um, the Seattle area in 2012 as well. And that was kind of my- know that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So um, that was my introduction to natural medicine, functional medicine, natural paths. I mean, I grew up on the East Coast. I, I, to be honest, as an MD, with all due respect to our naturopaths, like I didn't know any naturopaths. I didn't know about naturopathy. And actually, that is my primary care physician right now as a naturopath. See how far (laughs) I've come. And it's so true. Like really... um, you know, your skin is a messenger. Your body is a messenger. If we're the th- the problem is, we are always on such um, autopilot, and we are um, kind of trained to ignore the signs and the symptoms and treat our skin almost as this um, uh, saboteur, right? It's like yeah. it's just pain in your ass, um, and it's breaking out, or it has wrinkles, or it has this, or it has that. And 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 what I have learned, and what I would love to help people reframe is that your skin is really your biggest ally. It is your biggest cheerleader. It will, you know, radiate and glow when when your body is being nourished, but it'll also it, it's the it's your worst confidant. It'll tell every single secret, those circles under your eyes, those those breakouts. It really um in the moment you may not immediately know what the root cause is, but it's an invitation to give yourself some TLC to take a pause and say, all right, what have I been doing the past couple of weeks? Have I been sleeping? Have I been eating? Like, am I fighting with my significant other? Like what the heck is going on in my life? Right. Um, and it really gives you an opportunity to kind of, as you said, clean out all, all the stuff that is not serving you. Yeah. And, yeah. And what's so interesting about the liver cleanse, um, on, on so many levels, like I, I just had a young woman that I was, um, consulting with yesterday and her acne has gotten really bad. She's in college. Her self-confidence is really starting to wane, um, which is really devastating because this is a time when she's independent and, and should ho- hopefully be feeling confident and soaring. Um, and a lot of it, you know, circling back to when she is flaring, when she's stressed, her acne gets worse and around her cycle. 
-hmm. So that in terms of liver, like to process your hormones and things like you need your liver to be functioning really well. Um, so doing a liver cleanse under the guidance of, you know, uh, a professional who can help you do that is really important. And in Chinese medicine, um, the idea of the liver holding on to anger and frustration yes. and, and all the emotional, um, components too. And, um, I never knew that going through training. I mean, yes. <laughs> not really taught in traditional Western no. medical schools. And it's so funny, Kara, that you, I didn't know that connection either, but of course, um, my, the practitioner that I was going to in Seattle at the time made me aware of the, the liver connection. And I will tell you, and I write about this in my book, one, the one talking about when I came out of my marriage and how I, um, it ultimately healed that relationship with my ex-husband, but I carried rage, rage from when I was younger and rage from my marriage. And so as I also proce processed that, that was around the same time that my skin began to clear up as well. And the other thing I'm curious about, I just want to, uh, you said something that triggered this a moment ago, and I wanted to mention it. I remember my doctor asking me in Seattle, and she said, why do you think that your body chose to speak through your skin. Cause I was complaining about, God, why does it have to be my skin? It's the thing that everybody sees. And I'm so embarrassed of this. I mean, even when I got together with my current partner, Chase, I mean, he's so loving. And I remember there were times when we, you know, cause we moved in together very quickly after getting together. And I would feel like I had to wear concealer around the house because I was so ashamed that he might not love me as much when he saw that I had acne if he realized it. If, and so I tried, I was hiding in my own house, basically. And I, so she asked me that, why do you think that, Sunny? And it dawned on me that what I now know, our body will speak to us, I think, in the way that we're going to listen to it the most. And for me, coming from a place where my appearance, um, and this is not my parents, this is, I'm just saying like, as a general rule, you know, you always think about Texas, it's the uh, breast implant capital of the world <laughs> and big hair, lots of makeup. Women don't go to the grocery store without full makeup. When I lived in Dallas, I mean, it was just, it was over the top. So there was an emphasis on appearance and I thought, okay, no wonder my body chose to speak to me through my skin because if it hadn't been something, I wouldn't say I was vain, but I was very focused on appearance. I wouldn't have listened. It had to be something that was like the big red flag that I would actually address. <laughs> so I don't know if you found that to be true. You know, our skin kind of either our body or our skin speaks in the way that we will listen to the most if we're not going to hear it some other way. I 100% agree. And I think that is such a, um, poignant question that your doctor had asked you. And I, I, I hope that everyone's doctor asked them that question because that's a, that's a really important one. Um, you know, I was just thinking about in my case currently, you know, I've had, um, even though I've been able to heal, um, so many of my other issues, um, and, and I can talk about, uh, you know, my skin story and things like that. But, um, for me, it was the gut and, mm. And I've been able to heal, uh, you know, my skin and um, a lot of other areas, but I had still struggled with gut issues. And what I found is that that is where I hold my tension. It's this idea of not necessarily being able to, um, it, it's twofold, stuffing the emotions down. And so then you have the sense of bloating and discomfort mm -hmm. and, and not even being able to tolerate the pain 
you know, so it's like twofold and I, and I never put two and two together. Why is it my gut? Why, why is this not healing? And I realized because I wasn't taking action in a certain area of my life, I was still holding back and I'm like, (laughs) interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, um, you know, even though, you know, I'm on this healing journey and I I share with other people, like I am still right in it along with every one of my clients. (laughs) We're all human and um, this is an ongoing thing. And I think that's what's so beautiful. I mean, it's hard. I'm not going to lie that it's like, oh, it's so, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's that idea of being able to have a willingness to keep tuning in and being able to ask those poignant questions like, why? What? Why now? What is? What is this trying to tell me? What can I learn from this? This is not like I'm failing and I'm losing. It's like, you're either winning or you're learning. There's no way to lose because every um, blemish, every um, ache, pain, that is information that is going to help you move forward and, and like uncover. You know, I always talk about um, the call to action as a dermatologist always get naked, right? Like we've got to, we have to be able to like get you physically undressed so we can check your body. Um, you know, skin cancer, melanoma, uh, the most prevalent cancers in the United States. I don't think most people realize that skin cancer is, is the most prevalent cancer. I didn't. Outranking breast, uh, lung, prostate. There are more new cases of skin cancer than all of those cancers combined. So literally need to get people naked and teach them how to check their skin um, because you can save your own life. But more than that, it's that metaphorical getting naked, you know, going, I like to call it skinny dipping, like, you know, stripping off one layer at a time, all the habits, the thoughts, the the relationships, the obligations, all the things that are just holding us back from being able to experience that joy, that ease, because so much of that, the shame, the fear, all those feelings, we have created those ourselves. And that's a painful realization um, to, to appreciate that, like, all my misery, like I created, right? It was my yeah. perception of things. And that's a hard pill to swallow. No, like, no pun intended. Um <laughs> And that's why pills don't work, right? That's why all the lotions, potions, salves, all, all the, you know, quote unquote beauty products, they don't, um, they can make you feel good in the moment, but, um, they can't take away all that other stuff. And, um, you know, you made a really interesting point that going to the grocery store without makeup or wearing makeup because you felt ashamed, I think this idea that there's nothing wrong with makeup and there's nothing wrong with Botox and fillers, right? If it makes you feel more beautiful to get those lashes um, on every couple of weeks, get your mani-pedis to, you know, relax those wrinkles. If it makes you feel even more beautiful to do it, then do it. Where I struggle and where I want to help women appreciate is that you do not become beautiful because you are doing X, Y, and Z, or you are only beautiful if you do those things. Because then you will never feel whole. You will never feel um, that sense of self-acceptance because you're looking for something external. Yes. Okay. So I have to like pause and ask you a quick question here. And I also want to return to the skin cancer. Um, the I think 
I, I want to bring in your element of your story around that, but yeah. real quickly, you just said Botox and fillers. Now I used to do those. I think I started them pretty too early, but, um, and then I don't do them anymore, but you mean you're okay with Botox and fillers? Like from a holistic perspective, are you, I'm still concerned about the safety of all of it, long-term effects. Yeah. So they've been using Botox for many, many years. And there's a lot of studies. I know in the, in the, in the natural world, there's all these like it's poison and yes, but botulinum toxin is a poison, but especially for cosmetic purposes, you know, to get rid of those um, angry 11s between the eyebrows, the, the recommended dose is 20 units. Now, granted, when they're treating um, bladder issues or torticollis, some of the muscular issues, they're using hundreds of units. And so, yes, there's there's concern about diffusion and, and um, more side effects, but they've been doing studies. And so far, there aren't any real long-term significant adverse effects from the cosmetic use. So, really? yeah. So, huh. um, and, and so there's some people will get headaches or there've been reports of flu like illnesses, but it's usually, if you look more closely at the studies, the doses that, that it's been reported are much higher than, than what you're typically using for the, the cosmetic. Most people are getting just a little bit between their eyebrows. And, um, so, uh, so I, I, I think it, Pros versus cons, right? If if relaxing those wrinkles allows you to look in the mirror and have a loving conversation because you're not scowling at yourself, mm. hot, hot darn. Like, I think it's worth a little bit of um, <laughs> upfront discomfort um, because your body's going to process, and, and that's where doing the liver cleanse and making sure your body's functioning optimally um, to be able to, to get rid of that. But um, I think the value of being able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I love what I see is priceless. And if that requires a little bit of Botox, I'm all for it. Because the <laughs> studies of Botox and depression are, are pretty compelling. What? Okay, tell, wait, say more about that. I'm not aware of these studies. Yeah, so they have done studies. And it's not like Botox is um, has this magical, like, um, of, of, like effect. But it's, it's that whole idea of, um, the facial expressions and the emotional integration of individuals who are suffering from depression and be, and using Botox to relax the tension in the forehead, to, um, relax those tension lines in the face that when they're looking in the mirror, there's that softening of, um, emotional angst. What? And so, yeah. And that, that's okay. why I, Botox in, in women, because when they are looking in the mirror and they're beating the crap out of themselves, that is so damaging. And if I could just, all right, let's just, let's just relax those lines. So now you can't, when you're trying to beat yourself up, like you can't make that frowny face, like it's gone. That is so interesting. I never would have made that connection, but Hey, that's food for thought, man. I mean, this is not where I thought you would go with it. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. So I guess it's more a man, like a matter of we talk, you know, we talk about how many toxicants and things that we're exposed to from all sides, internally, externally, um, all things. So it's more, you know, just be aware of the ones that you are allowing into your life and choose wisely. I mean, so you know, like limited doses here and there of whatever is most important to you. I guess at this point. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, I'm all about, uh, you know, whole foods, organic, cleaning out my personal care products, 
Um, I take my supplements. Um, I still have my glass of wine. Granted, it's a biodynamic, organically grown, you know, like (laughs) I'm going to choose the the best version of something that I can, but I still want to enjoy life. And um, I think it's also about the intention behind the why you're doing it, right? Like, yes, as I mentioned, if, if you are doing these things because you know, it makes you, it amplifies how you already feel. You feel amazing and you're doing these things to make you feel even more amazing. Great. And you're not tying your self-worth to whether you do those things or not. They just make you feel good. Do it. The, the, the challenge is if you're doing it so that you can feel these ways. That's where that you'll you'll be chasing your tail and you'll spend tons of money. I mean, the beauty industry is a five hundred billion dollar industry. The average American woman is spending over three hundred thousand dollars on her appearance in her lifetime. Three hundred thousand dollars. And ninety seven percent of women do not feel beautiful. There's a huge disconnect and it's tragic. And that's why I'm saying that there's nothing wrong with doing the things, but for those 97% of women who are doing these things, thinking those things are going to make them feel beautiful, that's where I I just want to help them because that's not, um, that's not where your, your, your worth comes from. The makeup is not, you know, you don't have to do those things to be worthy at all. Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, so I want to, I do want to ask about, um, your story with melanoma because it does seem like, um, it's, it's interesting that you were a dermatologist who is then diagnosed with melanoma. And I think, I don't think that's, um, I will ask your opinion about why you felt that happened in your life, but it feels kind of like when I heard that for the first time, it reminded me, for example, of Dr. Eben Alexander, who was, a neurosurgeon who ended up having the near-death experience, but he had been someone who believed that consciousness exists, um, is manufactured, you know, basically by the brain all these years. And then he had the near-death experience, part of the meningitis that he had killed off the part of brain, the part of the brain that was associated with producing consciousness. So he kind of had to rethink the whole, his whole stance when he came out of it. And he is in a beautiful position to be able to talk about it now. Not many neurosurgeons um, have had a near-death experience and can come back and talk about the science that supports the spirituality behind it. And so when I heard your story about skin cancer, I thought, ooh, this feels like some kind of a soul setup (laughs) for you to be able to talk about this. But before I um, go down that road, I'm looking at our time and I think, Benny, is this a good time to take a break and we'll pick up with uh, Kira's story when we come back? Sure thing. We can do it. Awesome. Okay. So you are listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am joined today by Dr. Kira Barr. um, And uh, my name is Sunny Joy. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Okay. We'll be back in just a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Hey, Sunny in Seattle friends. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that the greatest gifts and synchronicities of my life happened when I started listening to the voice of my soul and let it take the lead. But in a crazy culture and a chaotic world, it can often be difficult to hear that soul voice, and we forget just how powerful that spiritual being inside you really is. Which is why I created Soul Digger, a membership community for women and those who identify as women who want to live a soul-driven life. We meet virtually to learn, connect, share, grow, and inspire one another on our spiritual journey. Find out more at my website, 
goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And click on the tab that says work with me. So come get shamelessly spiritual with us in the Soul Digger community, where we mine the true gold that comes from your soul. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Spending time in nature can be good for your health, so a growing number of people are practicing forest bathing. There's no tub or soap involved, just fresh air and a canopy of trees. Farjana Islam is a certified nature and forest therapy guide who leads forest bathing walks in the D.C. area. You just go a quarter of a mile in three hours. You're just noticing what's around you using your senses. So what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're smelling, what you're tasting in the air. And then people go into circles and then we have a sharing piece, which could be a twig on the floor. And we share what we've seen. Islam says forest bathing improves mindfulness and reduces stress. And it can help people see the value of trees, not only for the climate, but for their own well-being. People can decide if they want to become environmental stewards, if that's their next step, and they feel called to do that. Islam says she once thought that caring for the environment meant protecting a faraway landscape. With the polar bears and the Arctic and, like, national parks and rainforests and different things that are, like, these grandeur, awe-inspiring things. But, like, the tree that's outside my window, that's super awe-inspiring to me now. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. I am joined today by Dr. Kirabar, and we're talking all things skin. And not just skin as in just the epidermis, but the window into your emotional, your spiritual, your physical well-being underneath the surface. So um, before the break, I had mentioned, um, since we had been talking about skin cancer, and I that was a new statistic for me when in reading your book, um, Kira, that uh, skin cancer is the number one cancer. And, and you have a very personal experience with that. And so do you mind sharing a bit about that? A dermatologist who ends up getting melanoma, even though, you know, yes, you had done a lot of tanning in your early years or spending a lot of time in the sun, but you were living really clean when you were diagnosed with it. So tell us about that journey. Yeah, that um, is probably the worst nightmare any... dermatologist wants to have is, and, and, and the ironic thing, of course, is that the focus of my practice, uh, was, um, treating patients with skin cancer, melanoma. I had done a melanoma fellowship, um, being dual board certified in clinical dermatology as well as dermatopathology. So looking at skin on the surface and then 
when people have biopsies, being the one to look at the skin underneath the microscope so I could see both sides and having the horror of seeing something on my skin and then being the one to look at it and confirming, yes, indeed, um, that's bad. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, um, I had done a lot of tanning and for me, you know, I, I hadn't connected the dots of why I wound up in dermatology, hadn't connected the dots of why me, why melanoma. And thankfully, because I did know what to look for, I caught it very early. And that's why my call to action for people is always to get naked. If I can help you save your own life know what to look for on your skin, um, that that's amazing. But for me, I, um, I was born with two birthmarks on my face, one on each side. And when I was really little, I didn't think anything of them. They were my uh, quote unquote beauty marks, right? I thought I was really mm-hmm. special because I had these, even though my mom, um, <laughs> she thought it was dirt. Uh, when, I, when I was first born, she kept like licking her finger and trying to get it off. But of course, <laughs> um, you know, I had a lot of uh, saliva on my face. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to rub it really hard. Um, but anyway, when I was a kid, like I really thought those were my beauty marks and it wasn't until I went to elementary school and I was on the playground and this boy walks up to me and he points at my face and he said, um, what are those coffee stains? Um, and at the, at the time I was devastated. Um, you know, it was the first time that I appreciated that my skin could be a source of shame and embarrassment and humiliation. And um, the ironic thing, of course, when I became a dermatologist, I learned, indeed, those beauty marks were, in fact, called cafe au lait spots. So they were really like coffee, <laughs> coffee stains with milk. Um, so he was actually a really smart kid, uh, wise beyond his years. But at the time, of course, I, that was not the story I wrapped around it. I wrapped the story that um, if, you know, he, he was pointing them out because he thought that they were displeasing. And so if he thought that they were displeasing, then I, as a person must be displeasing. Mm-hmm. And it was really the beginning of the shattering of my self-confidence, my self-esteem. And I had wanted to be this like actress and be on the stage and do all these things. And I slowly just got quieter and quieter and behind the scenes. And it, it, it is really interesting, right? Connecting the dots going backwards, how how I felt about my skin impacted so deeply um, how I showed up in the world in it. And the thing was, is getting a tan, I, I realized very quickly that if I could get a tan, then I could cover those beauty marks. They faded into the background. They just kind of faded into my tan skin. But the problem is my dad's a redhead. And so I don't tan easily. I burn and then I tan. And so years and years of um, getting sunburned, then tanning um, led to an accumulation of a lot of sun damage and ultimately led to a lot of moles that um, changed shape, size and color. And I had dozens of biopsies. And then finally, I found a spot on my arm. It was in 2011, actually. Uh, no, 2012. Um, 2012 was right before I left um, my academic position. The, my going away party was a party, and then walking into the OR suite to have my melanoma cut out. And oh um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty um, crazy because at the time, as you pointed out, like 
at the time I was diagnosed, I was wearing sunscreen. I was well aware of the dangers of skin cancer and melanoma. I was um, taking the precautions. I was eating what I thought was healthy. I was running ultra marathons. So I was exercising and um, doing all everything right, quote unquote. But what I realized in retrospect is I wasn't doing things right. Um, I had no idea how to heal myself and, 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 and that running the ultra marathons wasn't because for the sheer joy of running, it was because I thought I should look a certain way and I, I should do these things. Right. Right. Um, and it was still hiding. It was still that shame. It was still all the things that I carried forward through my, my childhood had really shaped who I had become. And I didn't like that person. (laughs) Yeah. I, I realized that who, who I'd become, um, even though I had a loving husband and, and kids and they're wonderful and, and this career, um, what I was doing wasn't serving me. And it really was a wake up call, not only that I needed to change um, like some of the physical things, but really had to dive deep into my emotional and spiritual well-being. Um, and the poignant that, you know, that I was. Uh, an expert in what was on the surface as well as beneath the surface is no um, coincidence, right? I really had to take a look um, at myself on those levels and create a bridge. Um, and by overhauling my nutrition and really working with my own mentors and coaches and and physicians and clinicians and naturopaths and all the things, um, really learn how to nourish myself, um, inside and out. And so that, you know, from, um, from running and and tearing my hip and not being able to get chronic pain and gut all the things like having had biopsies every couple of months for a decade, like I haven't had a biopsy, uh, in eight years now, um, because of those changes. And like I said, you know, I've come a long way. I still have some issues. And I'm not saying, you know, I, I, I'm no different. Like I am not perfect and, and I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I have a lot more answers than I used to and a lot more insight, um, than I used to. And, um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey for, for sure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So do you, when you said you feel like this was no coincidence, I mean, it just, do you feel like this was connecting these dots was part of your soul journey in this lifetime was to experience these things so you can do the work that you do now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's a painful journey to go on, but I do think that having gone through it, um, I now feel so called to help other women in particular. Um, I know that men, you know, even talking to my husband, I, I know men have similar issues, but I think there's a inordinate amount of pressure on women. Um, you know, as I mentioned, the, the beauty industry is, is a multi-billion dollar industry that is just playing on all our insecurities and, um, our emotions. And if I can use what I've learned to help other women, um, on their journey, like, I, I have so much gratitude for that and the work that I've been able to do. It's been amazing. And so, yeah, um, I do, I do feel like it happened. The universe definitely had my back on that. And it's so yeah. funny cause, um, eight years ago, <laughs> you know, like before I moved to this area, uh, I would have been like universe, uh, what, um, 
Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> right? Like, I was totally not of, uh, open-minded to any of it. So... Well, I love, yeah, you and I kind of had the same crash course, like everything hit for me (laughs) in about 2010, 2011. I left my marriage in 2012, moved to Seattle, like, and then it was like, holy moly, where has this world been hiding my whole life? And woo, it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so tell us a little bit more about the work that you now do, because of course you're, uh, what is it? Dual board certified dermatologist, as you mentioned some of this work, but it, it sounds like your focus now is more in the mind-body medicine, functional, holistic approach to things. So how do you work with people and what do you do? Yeah. So it's really interesting. So, um, I, you know, my training is, is in dermatology and dermatopathology, but I've taken a step away from traditional practice. So, um, you know, I will help people, um, you know, using the skin more as a lens and a window of opportunity to understand what's happening beneath the surface. So I'm not, writing prescriptions for people anymore. Um, but, but really helping them, as you mentioned, like on the emotional, spiritual side and understanding how they're, what's showing up on their skin and how they're showing up in it. And, um, I've done, um, a lot of work with mind, body medicine. In fact, I'm super excited because I'm going to deepen that training, um, in a couple of months, um, and really equipping women with the tools, skills, and resources to heal from the inside out and, and really connect to their, to their inner beauty. Um, and so that they can give themselves the permission to really stop holding themselves back and, you know, um, step out as the powerful creators that that they were meant to be. So it really is using, um, my training, uh, in a completely different way. Certainly I can help guide, um, from a more holistic approach. Like let's look at your, let's do a pantry clean out. Let's clean out your makeup bag. Let's get rid of all the toxins that we can and decrease the amount of inflammation in your body. Um, because inflammation, not just on the skin surface, but, um, you know, contributing to brain fog and, 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 and impacting our productivity and our energy levels. There, there's a lot that I can help women there, but where I find the most joy is really helping them, you know, have those aha moments, um, and kind of rediscovering who they really are Yeah, and, and being able to show up in this, in their skin so powerfully and, and have that glow and that radiance that, you know, there's no product out there that can do that for them. Like it's amazing that they can do it for themselves. Yes. Yes. And do you have, I mean, either now or as we go throughout the show, if you have any stories of specific examples of how this looks in someone's life, because I'm really curious, it makes so much sense to me how nourishing our skin is directly related to not only inner and outer beauty, but actually creating and living the life that we crave, like making that connection. I think it makes total sense to me, but I don't know that that's something that in the mainstream people are talking about. Yeah. So one example is, um, I worked with this gal and she had been working herself like crazy for five years. Um, she did nothing but work. She had put on um, I think she said something like 80 pounds. I mean, mm-hmm. she, and it, and it wasn't just the physical weight, right? It was the emotional, um, weight of carrying everyone's burden, taking every care of everyone else, um, aside from herself. And so one of the first things that we did, I always have, you know, this idea of skinny dipping, right? I, I, I had her, um, kind of, uh, do a self-assessment of, you know, what is showing up on her skin and, and how is she feeling? And one of the things that came up for her is she had this recurrent rash <laughs> that kept coming up. And so mm-hmm. we dove a little deeper 
into it. And, and she found that when she was traveling, when she was really stressed out, she would break out. And so we dug a little bit deeper. And so what was happening is she was kind of buffering her, her emotions of feeling stressed and overwhelmed with a lot of, you know, ice cream and some processed, you know, comfort food. And so for her, it turned out that she was gluten sensitive, um, and dairy sensitive. And so as we ease those things out of her diet, the rash started to clear up, you know, the inflammation started to go away. She gradually was, was dropping some weight in the process of this, of this kind of uncovering this, you know, layer by layer. She also realized, you know, that carrying that emotional weight of everyone else's burden, we, we kind of created her crave plan, you know, like assessing the different areas of her life and, 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 and rating them on a scale of one to 10, where are you and where do you want to be? And she realized, um, she was not <laughs> where she wanted to be. Yeah. Um, she wanted to be where the sun was shining more often than mm. not. She was um, in the Pacific Northwest and her dream was to move to Southern California mm. and open up an art studio. And what was really exciting, literally within, I think it was like six weeks of, of working together she had packed up her stuff. She got herself a lease in Southern California. She didn't know how she was going to do it, how she was going to open the studio, but she's like, I'm just going to test out the waters. And I was blown away, right? I mean, I think yeah. it's a matter of just really tuning in. I think that we don't give ourselves permission to dream big because we think, oh, the kids need me or my spouse needs me or my job needs me. And the bottom line is you can't give of yourself. It's that old adage, like if you don't put on your oxygen mask first, you cannot be of service to other people without feeling resentment and anger and all the things. So yes. so vital that you take that time and allow yourself to dream big. Yeah. And the, the thing I just want to point out, like looking at that total story, all of that that came about in her life, the emotional healing, the move to the place that she wanted to, um, the dropping of the weight, both emotional and physical, all the things came from a rash that was basically, <laughs> if she, if you hadn't had that little messenger from the skin going, Hey, the, like once you got below the surface, it was like the iceberg was down there to actually look at. And the rash was what opened the door for all of that. Mm -hmm. It really was. And I, and I love that that you, um, you know, pointed that out. I, in many ways, oftentimes the, the skin is the least of the issue. It's just a reflection of what's happening. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was so much more for her and it was really beautiful to witness kind of that, that, um, peeling back the stripping off the layers one by one, um, and see her really step into her, her power, so to speak. Yes, I love that. And so that's kind of then that sounds like how you work with women now is using the skin, as you say, as a window or a lens to really see what's going on both physically and in all the other areas of one's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And it's the most rewarding. And I think, you know, part of it is just because of my own experience and appreciating that all this sun damage and, and, you know, that one nasty spot was, you know, I, it, my skin had been talking to me for a decade, like moles that were changing, um, getting them cut out and thinking, oh, well, that's just what we do in dermatology. You just remove it and totally ignoring yeah. the signs that my body was under stress and duress and the over-exercising with the ultramarathons. You know, there's a lot of ultramarathons, out, ultramarathoners out there that are probably, um, 
doing just fine. But for me, that form of exercise was too much. And mm-hmm. I was ignoring the the chronic pain I was having that my um, hormones were completely out of whack. My periods had gotten so heavy. Like all that, the stress from doing all these things that I thought I needed to do to be the person I thought I should be for everyone else but me. Yeah. And um, it was... It's a hard, like I said, hard pill to swallow, but, but so I'm so grateful for having gone through that really challenging time to yeah. be able to come out on the other side and, and realize like, I can't be somebody for somebody else. I have to honor, um, who I want to be for myself so that I can show up as the best version of myself to um, be the best mom, to be a great partner to my husband, to serve clients um, to the best of my ability. And um, that, yeah, I mean, it took me 40 plus years to learn that one. <laughs> hey, some people don't get it in a hundred years. I'd say right. you're doing pretty well. <laughs> right. I got a lot of years left. I've got, you know, I think about that in terms of my, my, um, my great grandfather was 104. So I'm hoping, you know, my good genes and, and by, oh living well and honoring that I got a lot more years left. So yeah, I'm just getting started. Heck yeah. Um, okay. So a couple more quick questions. Um, so if someone is saying, what, what does it mean? What does holistic skincare mean versus the traditional skincare? If someone is talking about that? Well, I think it could mean, um, different things for different people. So I have colleagues that are more practicing integrative dermatology. So they're using traditional medicine, but they're also using herbs, um, and supplements and, Mm -hmm. uh, combining that. And that would be in the traditional, like dermatology practice setting. For me, what I do, um, is I'm looking at lifestyle factors like diet, sleep, exercise, environment, all the things that can contribute to inflammation, um, in the body, but also looking at the emotional, spiritual side, really tapping into the power of uh, mindfulness, meditation, and other tools to help um, healing from the inside out. So my version of holistic skincare (laughs) is a little bit different than maybe um, some of my colleagues who are still in the traditional medical model. But for me, holistic skincare is really not just addressing the surface and I can provide plenty of recommendations for, for topical things, but I'm really focusing on the health of the individual, um, from within really, especially the emotional and spiritual component. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I like that approach. Um, so I have heard you don't like the term anti-aging. Is that true? <laughs> and why? Like, what should we be calling it? Or what do you, how do you approach that whole issue of, you know, your skin maybe looks a little bit different in your 60s than it did in your teens? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I am no Benjamin Button. I am aging every <laughs> single day. I mean, there's no way getting around it. And I'm, pr- and I'm, and I'm grateful. Like I've gotten to my, I'm in my later 40s now and it is a gift. I am like twenties were great, but I, again, like my self-confidence, my self-image sucked back then. And so I'm grateful that I'm aging. Um, and anti-aging is a great marketing tool to sell a lot of products and also to keep, I think us in this place of shame and embarrassment, like, are we doing something wrong? Like that where we are in our lives isn't good enough, which I think is mm-hmm. unfortunate. So I'm all about embrace aging, like embrace the age you are 
are there ways to slow the clock down and in many ways on a cellular level turn back the clock? Heck yeah. And that's where diet, lifestyle, really focusing on sleep, um, nourishing ourselves on every level can make a huge difference. But anti-aging, I think, is um, a disservice because the goal is to embrace where we are, celebrate where we are, and move forward um, you know, as healthfully as we can. I, I don't want to go back in time. Those years sucked, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and I am curious, you know, when you look out into, and I, I hate to go all celebrity, but I, when I look at Christy Brinkley, for example, these days, and she is what, over 60, mm-hmm. what do you think she is doing to, I mean, I know she takes good care of her body and has the access to the best nutrition and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, what is she doing? Or like JLo? Oh my goodness. Like, is that just, uh, yeah. What do you think? I don't, I, I can't speak um, <laughs> specifically, um, but I think, um, Good living, for sure, diet yeah. lifestyle factors. I think having a very skilled dermatologist or plastic surgeon who can um, offer the fillers and the Botox and some some non-invasive procedures um, like threads or laser and sometimes surgical procedures like facelifts, um, mm-hmm. you know, th- those may come into play. I, I can't speak specific- specifically to those um, celebrities. And again, there's nothing wrong with those procedures from my perspective, if it's done from a place of true self-love and self-acceptance, you're like, dude, I feel, you know, 40, <laughs> I'm 67. Heck yeah. I want to look my best. Cause I feel amazing. And I love who I am Yeah, all for that perspective. But if it's, I must do this. Um, and I'll only be thought beautiful if I do X, Y, and Z, that's where I'm like, all right, we need to do a lot of inner work. And then <laughs> once you get there, um, and, and you're really happy with where you're at, and then you want to make the outside mirror the inside, go for it. Go for yeah. it. That's money well spent. Because this stuff is expensive, right? And yes. it's maintenance. Yes. And you got to do it every three months or four months for Botox and every 12 to 18 months for filler and every couple of years oh, yeah. for some of these other procedures. And it adds up. And if you want the greatest return on your investment, you got to start with the inner stuff. You got oh, oh. to nourish yourself. You got to sleep well. You got to love well. And then all the, the, the money that you spend on the products, oh, it's going to pay off. It is. It really is. That's, I love, I love bringing this show to a close here with that. Yeah. Let's do the inner work and feel that inner beauty. And then if you decide to do all the other stuff, go, yeah, good on you. <laughs> go do yeah, money you well happy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Kira, this has been so much fun to talk to you today. Um, I have been joined by Dr. Kira Barr. Um, we have been talking about holistic skincare and uh, inner and outer beauty and the skin as a lens for all the other things going on inside and outside of us. Um, you can find out more about her by going to drkirabarr.com. And I believe she does have some programs or a program coming up here if her work is of interest to you. Um, again, the website to find out more is Dr. DrKiraBar.com. Kira, thank you for being on the show today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Benny, for running the board. Um, you have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy, signing off, and I will see you next week.